Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the mean teens and tweens of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are putting two killer teen classics in the ring for a head-to-head showdown, 1996's The Craft versus 1989's Heathers. Now, these two movies are definitely older than what we normally would cover. So if you're like a 19-year-old, you might be like, what is this? And many of you are 19-year-olds out there. And I know that the oldest movie we've covered up until today was 1997's Cinderella starring Brandy. However, both of these movies can be considered to be like cool older sisters of the movies we normally focus on. And for us and our guest, who we are like like in happy shock wants to be associated with us on a platform. (laughs) Uh, Both these movies were incredibly formative. So um, our guest today, I can't believe I'm saying it, is Yara Zaid, someone whose work we really revere and love so much. So Yara, welcome to the pod. Hello, everyone. I'm really thrilled to be here. As introduced, I'm Yara Zaid. I make videos about stuff and things ranging from techno horror like Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse and from the uh, the colorful career of Hilary Duff. Anything you can imagine, but mostly slumber party stuff, yeah. <laughs> yes, which I'm so glad you brought up Hilary Duff because that, I think, was like one of the first videos of yours that we saw, the one about the tween typecasting. Dude, I'm uh, so sorry. Track. The audio in that video... <laughs> No, we loved it, especially because we give Hillary Duff so much shit in all of our episodes. Because <laughs> she really just does the same thing every single time. I mean, it's true. It's true. I really liked uh, the movie War, Inc. when it came out because it was so ridiculous and different for her, but also just a ridiculous movie. The weirdest thing I've ever seen. But nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't think I've seen that. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that. Yeah, another reason why we asked Yara to join us for this video is because she made a video on, well, one about the craft and all of the movies that have been inspired by the craft and one on Killer Clicks. And so when we came up with this combination of movies, we were like, what if she joined (laughs) us? Like, we can make it happen. So in my mind, you're sort of the contemporary authority on these things. So I'm just excited that you're here. Thank you so much. That is such an honor. Like, who knew, like, watching these movies again and again would do something good for me. <laughs> That's basically how we feel about this entire podcast in general. It's like, I don't know, they feel like silly movies, you know, you, you grew up watching, but you, when you get to talk about them and you see how much they impacted you, whether it was, you know, good or bad, you're like, wow, movies are they're really awesome even if they're just what people consider to be oh that's just a teen comedy or that's just a rom-com very impactful stuff yes oh yeah that's our thesis around here so thank you so much for putting (laughs) it so nicely so I guess we have a lot of ground to cover here today between these two movies so I'm just gonna go straight in with the facts surrounding Heathers and I need to acknowledge um for those watching the version of the show. Um, I'm wearing my Heathers. If if there was a hot pink Heather, this would be the outfit. Yeah, and I'm clearly a teen witch, if you can't tell. So <laughs> I love the vibe. I love it. Heather Chandler, Heather McNamara, Heather Duke, Veronica Sawyer. Why are you such a mega brat? Because I can be. The most powerful click at Westerberg. Most people would die to get into it. Heather number one just looked right at me. Veronica would kill to get out of it. You were nothing before you met me. Okay, so Heather's was released on March 31st, 1989, which this helps for my brain. My mom is 55 and she graduated high school in 1983. So she would have been like a little bit younger than I am now when this movie came out. So mom could have seen this when it came out which I just find to be like an interesting concept. Um, it was a, <laughs> it was released 
uh, in the U.S., obviously. The budget for this movie was $3 million. And the opening weekend earned $177,247 with an ultimate gross U.S. profit of like $1 million approx. So not a, not a financial boon. The director of this movie was Michael Lehman. This was his second directing credit, according to IMDb at the very least. Um, since then, oh, and I need to say, for Yara's sake, uh, the way that like we pick the credits of uh, our professionals on this show is very subjective in that I just pick shit that I recognize and I'm like this is it this is what the audience will recognize probably I do the exact same thing it's not even about what's popular it's just like oh I know that one I'm going to talk about that one <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and when there's so much to talk about I was like I got to keep it to the to the recognizable shit here so anyway he directed Heather's was his second directing credit, and since then, his main things have been American Horror Story episodes, a lot of True Blood. Um, yeah. He was not Stanley Kubrick, who the writer, Daniel Waters, originally was hoping would direct this movie. So the writer, obviously, screenplay writer, Daniel Waters, he's from Cleveland, it turns out, and Audrey and I are from Cleveland, and I live in Cleveland right now. It explains why this movie is set in Ohio which has always really struck a chord with me, obviously. Um, and then the rest of his credits, I was, like, not particularly grabbed by any of the things. But I also have seen, like, six movies in my life, so, like, who knows? So then moving on to the producers here, we have a heavy hitter amongst these producers. We have Denise DeNovi, or Novi, hopefully it's Novi. Um, this was really on or this was really early on in her career, but she went on to produce such classics as the 2019 Little Women, Monte Carlo, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 1 and 2, New York Minute, What a Girl Wants, A Walk to Remember, the 1994 Little Women, also with Winona Ryder, Practical Magic, Tim Burton's James and the Giant Peach, Edward Scissorhands, all of those. Icon. That's literally. Legend. I know. I know. (laughs) Like, the the work that this person has contributed to our psyches is really immeasurable. I was just watching A Walk to Remember the other day, too. And then the other producer was Christopher Webster, who executive produced Hellraiser 1 and 2. It seemed like Denise was doing the heavy lifting here from a, uh, a pretty serious standpoint. So now the plot synopsis of Heathers. At Westerberg High, where cliques rule, jerk jocks dominate, and the most popular girls are all named Heather, it's going to take a Veronica and the mysterious and possibly psychotic new kid, JD, to give teen angst a body count. I always have Audrey read the taglines because she just has a certain... Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Yes, exactly. She's got something. So Audrey, will you read these two taglines? Yes. So the first tagline is best friends, social trends, and occasional murder. <laughs> so witty. I don't know how I feel about that one. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, actually, it's better than the second one. The second one is just a killer comedy, which, no. Not not that great. The best, no, try again. The best tagline we've ever encountered, Yara, was the Cheetah Girls tagline is... They've got one shot to show their spots. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And we were like, that's it. Like, the tagline industry was never the same. I did not know that was a tagline. That's a fantastic tagline. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Some of these movies have really good ones, but that one really set the bar for everything. One shot to show their spots. Wow. Yeah. It's It's in there now. That was. The second movie we ever covered. So we've just been chasing that high. (laughs) (laughs) And then my last, there's still more facts. There's just a lot of facts, but you know what? We're laying the groundwork. We're painting. This is a fact friendly podcast. It's a good thing. It's true. That's a good, that's a good (laughs) attitude to have. I like that. So I just picked four, three people, kind of four people to talk about that were in the cast of this movie. So the first one uh, is Winona Ryder as Veronica Sawyer, obviously the lead. Um, Now she's having her like 
Stranger Things post-Stranger Things moment where like people that aren't into 80s and 90s movies would know who she is. Then we have Christian Slater as JD. And for me, I know he's really famous, but to me, it's like I always just think of him from this movie. And when I was going through all of his credits, I was like, the only thing that's really standing out to me here is uh, is Interview with the Vampire, which I saw for the first time recently, and that movie really um, knocked my socks off. My uh, favorite Christian Slater movie for the longest time was True Romance, the one with uh, Patricia Arquette. I loved that yeah. movie. I don't know if I would love it today, but I, I was really obsessed with it back then. <laughs> I have never seen it, but, you know, that's how it always happens. Audrey has seen it, and I haven't, and that's okay. (laughs) That's just the way it is. And the second-to-last person I have written down here is Shannon Doherty as Heather Duke. Uh, She was on—she was Jenny on Little House on the Prairie before Heather's. I haven't seen Little House on the Prairie, but I know it's an institution. The only time I've seen it is if I was at my grandma's house, and it was just coming on, and I saw it. I was like, oh, Little House on the Prairie, then I changed the channel. She was on like 100 plus episodes of Beverly Hills 90210. She was on Charmed and she played JD's mom in the Heathers reboot of 2018. (laughs) I know. Well, I heard that uh, when they were shooting Heathers initially and she signed up for it, she thought it was like a really serious drama. And she was so sad when she saw that it was like a dark comedy that she cried when it premiered. I don't know how true that is, but... I think of that all the time and I watch that movie like, I'm so sorry that you didn't realize this is a black comedy. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, everyone's favorite place for critical discourse, the audience score uh, for Heathers as of right now is 83% and the critic score is 93%. And to me, this just reeks of this was clearly a score created of a bunch of reviews from 2018 to 2019 This is not how it was originally received. And uh, I can furnish receipts for that because this is what Roger Ebert had to say about this movie. He gave it 2.5 stars, and this is a little excerpt of what he said. I approach Heathers as a traveler in an unknown country, one who does not (laughs) speak the language or know the customs and can judge the natives only by taking them at their word. This movie is a morbid comedy about peer pressures in high school, about teenage suicide, and about the deadliness of cliques that not only exclude but also maim and kill. I know that the film inspires thought and has the ability to shock, two qualities that make it worth considering. Maybe it's true that teenagers will understand it best. Maybe it's even true that they deserve to. So he basically was like, I don't fucking get it, but like, it's fine. Like, do your thing. Do your thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So not scathing, though. He didn't really say anything. Oh, no, no. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. It's it's very chill in comparison to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was not a not a real hater of this one. And then, okay. This is the last shit that I have from 1989. Just a taste of the culture of the moment. Uh, George H.W. Bush is president. There's the uh, oil spill that was like the worst oil spill up to date. Uh, The biggest stars at the time were Johnny Depp and John Travolta. And all of these movies were really either released in 1989 or like around that time. And were like enjoying a lot of fame in this moment. Um, Back to the future part two, Ghostbusters two, the little mermaid driving Miss Daisy, dead poets society, honey, I shrunk the kids and when Harry met Sally. So there was a lot going on there. So now, you know, everything I could possibly tell you about Heather's. So it's now Audrey's turn to deliver her soliloquy about the craft. (laughs) All right. To the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. So, The Craft was released on May 3rd, 1996 to a worldwide theatrical release, um, which honestly kind of surprised me um, just because 
they really were showing this in other countries, in theaters. And I was like, that's, that's very bold. <laughs> the budget was $15 million, and the gross U.S. profit is $22.7 million. Generally, it wasn't a flop. Obviously, a lot of parents are going to have issues with this movie. A lot of religious groups are going to have issues with this movie. So the director of the craft is Andrew Fleming, who went to NYU. Um, and I went, I did not know that. And just to establish, Hannah and I both went there. So every time I see that, I'm like, why didn't I know this? <laughs> because all of the... All of the directors that you hear about that are, like, famous or successful that go to NYU are, like, not for movies like this. Like, mm -hmm. you'll hear, like, Scorsese or, like, um, you know. Um, you know Amy, Amy Heckerling, though. Yeah, Amy Heckerling. That's a good one. But people don't hype it up. People don't yeah. hype it up like they should. That's true. Like, why is that, why is that not on the pamphlet? Anyway. <laughs> The Craft was the third movie he directed, and I was very, very excited when I saw that he directed the 2007 Nancy Drew. <laughs> Since then, most of his work has been in TV. He directed some episodes of Emily in Paris, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, Insatiable, and Younger, which is really, really, like, the most specific genre of Netflix original TV. Like... How is he finessing all of this? All those shows get, like, I don't know, kind of hated, honestly. Not Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, but the other ones I've seen a lot of discourse about. Um, Yara, have you watched any of those? I saw the first episode of Insatiable, and, like, nothing else I have seen. I know there was a lot of controversy with um, Emily in Paris, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. There's this book Dang. called... Um, Anna and the French Kiss that I hated when I was a teenager. And so when I saw Emily in Paris, I was like, oh, another Anna and the French Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt, too. I was like, I don't think I need to be viewing that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure what's going to grab me. She's in Paris. Good for her. He is executive producing the 2020 Craft reboot, or was, I guess I should say, um, but he's not creatively involved. So he just was like, yep, this is a thing that I am kind of approving of. <laughs> 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 so we've got two writers. One is Peter Filardi. <laughs> I looked at his credits and I was like, I I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I really got nothing. <laughs> um, but he definitely veers into creepy, dark subjects um, with all of the things he's written. We've got three producers. The first I wrote on, I wrote on the notes, she's a major girl boss. <laughs> um, because she is. She's produced, so this is Jenny Nugent. She has produced Behind the Candelabra, um, a lot of episodes of Euphoria, a lot of episodes of His Dark Materials, and Chernobyl. And I was like, this is range. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talent. Wow. Lisa Tornell has very little credits overall, but I thought it was cool that she produced both The Craft and Jawbreaker. And actually, Yara, your video um, where you talked about Heathers and Jawbreaker and all of the killer clicks and stuff is what inspired me to watch Jawbreaker because somehow I didn't know about it. And really? I'm, I'm upset with myself. Yes. Did you did you like it or was it a little too silly or? No, I loved it. Okay. I was like, especially <laughs> after hearing like hearing the uh, influences like Grease and Rocky Horror yeah. and you know Heather's. Like it just seemed like a perfect storm to me. I'm like, why? Why can you hate this? Like, how can anyone hate this? Yeah, it's like campy film noir almost. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, and like I just live for Rose McGowan in in general. <laughs> And then the third producer is Douglas Wick, who uh, produced the reboot of The Craft. And then he's done a ton of stuff. Girl Interrupted, the 2003 Peter Pan that I feel like we all kind of know about mm -hmm. for some reason. The live action one. <laughs> um, next, we have the plot synopsis. Um, so here it is. 
After transferring to a Los Angeles high school, Sarah finds that her telekinetic gift appeals to a group of three wannabe witches who happen to be seeking a fourth member for their rituals. Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy, like Sarah herself, all have troubled backgrounds, which combined with their nascent powers lead to dangerous consequences. So, Hannah, do you want to read the Oh, yeah, tagline? sure. Okay. This one, no one could have seen this tagline coming. Welcome to the witching hour. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> you know that a marketing person came up with that, you know? <laughs> like... The simplicity is underwhelming. We have Robin Tunney playing Sarah. Her credits, I didn't really know much, honestly, but I wrote Vertical Limit, Empire Records, and End of Days. That's what she's known Mm. for. Playing Nancy, we have Feruza Bach, who is an actual Wiccan, which I didn't know. Um, But you can really tell, I feel like, when you watch the movie that she's just got this whole other, like, plane of understanding going on. She's known for Almost Famous, and she actually played Dorothy in Return to Oz, which I didn't know. Audrey, do you think of the same traumatic event whenever you think of that movie? No. Okay. What just, do you think Just of? really briefly. Um, so, just, Yara, this is, I feel like would be useful to know. I'm two years older than Audrey, which I feel like sometimes it's hard to tell. But this one year, our dad was in grad school and we were living in Boston and we were like, they had a huge party. My parents threw this huge party in the house and they got Audrey like a bunch of snacks and uh, like a little TV and put it in our room and was like, you girls stay up here. Like you be safe. And um, they fucking got us (laughs) returned to Oz and we had never seen it before and they hadn't seen it before and that movie's so scary (laughs) that we watched like the first half hour of it and I think Audrey fell asleep because she was like this isn't the original I'm over it and she was like in preschool at the time uh and I remember like being so scared by Return to Oz that I like got up and turned it off and was like just listening to the party sounds downstairs and like being terrified because I like couldn't get through the movie oh my god I'm so sorry It was so scary. I was in first grade and Audrey was in. Childhood trauma is so different. And it's like the most, I feel like it sticks with you too. Like there's this, um, have you heard of the uh, horror movie? Um, Since I'm not going to be seen, I'm putting my finger finger quotes on. Horror movie, um, Uh Pinocchio, which came out in 1996. It was, I was terrified of that. Uh, but it was just like the cover, like his face. I was so scared. You're like, dude, you're unlocking a memory for me right now. Yeah. No, like I, I was just recently just casually scrolling on, uh, I think it was CBS All Access Now Paramount Plus. <laughs> and I saw the thumbnail for that movie and I was like, oh my <laughs> God, this is terrifying I I was like I have to I have to go into it though like I'm it's calling to me so I like I like played it and went to the middle just to see like what what was up and yeah it is uh nightmare fuel it is really 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 bad no it really stuck with me too as a kid I'm like you know what I don't I don't I don't really I don't fuck with Pinocchio like that (laughs) bad blood and it really reminds me the way that it looks really reminds me of lazy town Ugh. Yes. Lazy Town. Yeah. That's probably why Lazy Town was kind of creepy for me, too, because I'm thinking yeah. about Pinocchio the whole time. We have Neve Campbell, who's mostly known for the Scream franchise. That's how I know her. Um, we've got Rachel True as Rochelle, who is most known for Half Baked, Groove, and Half and Half. And then we've got Skeet Ulrich, who plays Chris, and he's most known for Scream, Into the West, and Armored. As far as critic and audience scores go uh the audience score is 65 percent, and the critic score is 55 percent um mm. yikes <laughs> it's actually not too bad though. normally the movies we review have um, like a 17 percent critic score so this is better than normal yeah so the critic consensus is the craft's campy magic often overrides the feminist message at its story's core, but its appealing cast and postmodern perspective still cast a sporadic spell. Is it a feminist message? I don't even know. <laughs> I was just wondering that to myself, too. I was like, mm. And then we really just keep giving Roger Ebert his flowers here. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I'm always quoting Roger Ebert in my videos. And I just think, should I do this again? Like, do I really need to quote ah. Roger Ebert one more time? 
you know, you just want to pick a review that you know, like, the world might yeah. Uh, yeah. recognize. But also, like, I feel like Ebert, even when he didn't like a movie, he just had a good way of expressing it. Whereas other reviewers would be like, oh, it's just trash, and they'll leave it at yeah. that. But, like, you would be like, okay, Agreed. I understand the appeal, but here's why it doesn't work for me. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I can I can respect that, yeah. at least. Um, but he gave it two stars, and he said, The movie's failure is one of imagination. It tilts too far in the direction of horror and special effects when it might have been more fun to make a satirical comedy about punk teenagers. Which is one of the lesser nuanced takes, I think, I've yeah. seen from him. And then I wanted to throw in, like, a more modern opinion. So I, whenever I want to throw in a modern, <laughs> probably female opinion, I'll just go to Refinery29 <laughs> to see what, what they're, what they're uh, pumping out over there. Um, so this is Anne Cohen, and she says, the great strength of the craft is that it doesn't pass judgment on why the girls are doing what they do. The film's message of female empowerment felt cathartic, but so did its rage. Why? Um, okay, I've only seen The Craft yeah. once, and it was recently, but, like, is it female empowerment, or is it just a story about women? Yeah, I feel like people tend to put that label on anything that has a lot of girls in it, and it's like, ah, oh, this is yeah. so feminist. It's so, but it's it's just girls hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So, finally, some gossip from May 1996 <laughs> um, slash news. Uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse came out within the same month, which I really appreciate. I love that movie. Um, the Macarena dance was popularized. <laughs> um, there was These are so random. It's funny. And then Janet Jackson was the highest paid artist in history when she made an $80 million deal. I was just going to ask Yara, like, how she watched when and how and why <laughs> you watched both of these movies for the first time uh okay <laughs> um well the craft um I watched it on I think it was basic cable it was an old tv that we had it was the one with the protruding screen and the fat back yes. and <laughs> I like to say that um the movies that we watched on that tv were always snowy because of the static there was so much tv mm-hmm. static it looked like shit but I think <laughs> Like, seeing it in that low quality for the first time when I was, like, maybe, like, eight or nine, it made it scarier to me. And I was very just drawn to it. It felt wrong. And I was like, oh, this feels so right because it feels bad, you know? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it would, like, play on either maybe, like, TBS all the time. And every time it was on, I would watch it. Unfortunately, they were the commercial breaks. But I was still, that did not stop me. I was just, I had a big crush on Nancy Downs, too. And I feel like watching it at that young age, this movie sort of also taught me that most of the time, guys will probably be uh, trashy. So maybe don't hang out with the first guy who smiles at you. He might be a dick. So I treat everyone like they're a dick until they prove me that they're not a dick. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's the best. That's the best life lesson you could have possibly gotten from it. (laughs) That's probably why I like the movie so much. It's like, uh, yeah, I got some, I got some values from there. It was also, it felt like my first real grown-up movie. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't the Wild Thornberries movie, but it wasn't Nine and a Half Weeks either. It was like, oh, yeah. this is some real shit we're getting into right now. I just want to say, I think about the Wild Thornberries movie all the time because it came with a fucking scratch and sniff. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I talk about that scratch and sniff all the time. Like, that was such a weird choice. But, like, I'm glad that they did it. I tried to get my niece to watch the Wild Thornberries movie, but she did not like it. And I was like, you know what, buddy? I don't know how long we'll be friends for, <laughs> but I tried, okay? I tried to salvage like, this relationship. <laughs> You're like, our, our days are numbered here. <laughs> Heather's was a different story. It was very much intentional when I went about it. I had a huge crush on Winona Ryder. Like, I don't even remember how this happened. But one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I love her. I love her so much. And my favorite thing to do when I was younger was go on IMDb. And I would find the actors I was just enamored with and look up their filmography. Mm -hmm. Just go over it. Like, what haven't I seen? What do they have coming out? I would make a list of movies to get from, like, Movie Stop Mm -hmm. and Blockbuster and then I would bring them all back and watch them in one sitting. And that's what happened with Heathers. Right. 
And oh, I, I thought she was so beautiful in that movie, but that's why I watched it because I had a crush on her. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I did hear too that like initially they were going to pass on Winona mm-hmm. because they thought she wasn't pretty enough. And then she was like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I have to right. do it. She was like, you don't understand. I need to do this movie. Like, I don't care if you don't pay me. I want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't give a shit. You will hire me. <laughs> and that is so wild to me. Because, like, hearing that as someone who did have a crush on her, I was like, no. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's not a good reason. Yeah, no. So, um, if you have not uh, seen you, dear listener out there, if you have not seen Heather's or... The Craft. Heather's is on Hulu right now, which is where I watched it. And Audrey, where did you watch The, the Craft? The Craft is on, it's on Amazon, but I had to pay $4, which was All really right. sad. Well, <laughs> find legal or illegal means. Maybe make it a little event for yourself to catch up on these movies. And uh, then come back and listen to the second half where we will get into it regarding both of these movies. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. We are back. We have already watched these movies, but maybe you just finished one. Maybe you're doing this very literally. And if you are, bless your little heart. Um, But now we're going to get into some good old fashioned discourse surrounding Heather's and the craft in this versus episode. So our first- The glasses are on. Yara put her glasses on for yes. this section. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to <laughs> have to read my notes carefully and make sure I don't deviate from the plot that I created. <laughs> Our first uh, point of discussion here: which movie looked better slash looks better? I really love the look of both of them because Heather's has like a soft, dreamy feel. It feels like fuzzy almost, but I like mm-hmm. that. And then the craft has that edge, you know, it's darker colors. It's a little bit more saturated, I argue. And it just looks sharper. But, you know, there's like a decade between when the movies came out. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do have to go with Heather's because I miss seeing color wow. in movies so much Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of reds and blues and I just think it's a beautiful little movie to look at so that's me and my my colorful ass that's so valid (laughs) that's incredibly valid also like I miss color too and it feels like everybody's just so obsessed with like being depressed (laughs) everything's um, so drained and gray yeah And it's, like, really, the only color we can get is, like, in Euphoria, and it's about, like, a teen drug addict. I was going to say, too, it's, like, unless it's neon, you don't get a lot of color. And it always has to be neon, it seems, for whatever reason. It has to be a bisexual. It has to be be LEDs, like, a la, like, TikTok brand. And it's just, like, why? Yeah, I was actually going to say... With, like, the red and the blue thing that you brought up, Yara, like, upon this viewing, it was the first time I noticed that, um, that, like, all of Veronica's writing utensils are really heavy-handedly blue. Yeah. I was like, you know, I love that so much about Heather's, like, the way that it looks and feels, feels kind of like you're in a Halloween store. <laughs> and I, I like that about it. A lot of thought went into 
just like the color and the the set design, the art direction and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. you know what's this is probably a strange thing to bring up, but like how Veronica her color is blue. And then when she has mm-hmm. that nightmare about JD, it's blue tinted. I don't know what that means, but I've always liked that. I'm yeah. like, what, what is that, Veronica? <laughs> Are you afraid of yourself? I guess that could be it. I pretty much had the same um, the same opinion as far as like, I really enjoy the aesthetics of both and because they're so different and they're almost like foils in a way. Um, but uh, I do miss color and I miss like fun, just visual Fun. I love them both for different reasons. And I really enjoy the um, the beginning of the craft and, like, the way yeah. that... Yeah, that, like, the, in the sky and the, the fast. Yeah, the way that yeah. they, like, introduce you to the world is fun. And I just like that she's in a plane. Like, that's the first thing that we see. But it, that's probably, like, the most bright part of like the whole movie other than them maybe sitting in the grass and I love the butterflies also that part is so like stunning the visual like vibe of Heather's is so intrinsic to it working in so many ways like when you think about like the reboot and how it was like super glossy looking like I feel like that takes away some of the like just like the thing that makes Heather's Heather's like without like the kind of shaky, like unintentionally shaky camera work and shit. It's just like (laughs) you're missing something, you know, there was some shots in the beginning, like in the cafeteria scene, especially where it was like supposed to be smooth, but it was kind of just like, like slightly shaking. And I was like, I don't think it was supposed to be that way, but I like that about it. Like it has character. If we had to pick one, we're saying that Heather's, I, I'm saying Heather's, yeah. Heather's wins the Heather's visual the throwdown. So now we are moving on to which movie had better, incredibly subjective question, uh, better characters or more compelling characters? Um, I froze when I heard this question. Uh, <laughs> and I, I had been trying to figure out my answer for it. And I'm still kind of stumped, right? Because on the other hand, you have Nancy Downs, who turns out to be a fantastic and iconic villain. And then on the other hand, you have JD and like Ichluka Bullets. And I just love that. Yeah. Um, God, I think I'm going to go, fuck. I think I'm going to go with Heathers again. <laughs> because okay. the duo of JD and Veronica, they just have so many good moments. Like when she burns her hand in the um, with a cigarette lighter and he decides to light his cigarette that way. It's just a really ridiculous character moment. And I think it's so, <laughs> it's so over the top and I love it. Whereas, you know, with the craft, I feel like Nancy's a great character. But if I'm looking at everyone, I feel like she's the only character that really super stands out to me, you know, so. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I almost feel like in, in some moments when I was rewatching the craft, I felt like Sarah and Chris, um, had like moments where they kind of reminded me of Veronica and JD. Um, but it's so fleeting and also he sucks. So, and so does JD, but like in a, in a completely different way. (laughs) In a cartoonish Um, way. When it comes to Heathers, I can really remember, like, defining characteristics about each of them. Well, first of all, it kind of blends into plot stuff a little bit because I have a lot of things that I want to talk about, but they kind of blend the two together. But I do think, like, I saw The Craft not that long ago, and the main thing that I took away from it character-wise was that Nancy is, like, fucking terrifying. And, like, that's (laughs) kind of it. Whereas with Heathers... I mean, granted, I've had a lot more exposure to it, but, like, there are more defined things for each person, I think. And I also had written under characters. This is just, like, a nitpicky thing. We normally do a lot of, like, nitpicking about tiny things in these movies when it's not a versus episode. But just, like, one thing that was really making me laugh when I watched it last night is, like, the first scene when you see JD and they're in the cafeteria, it's like, okay, Veronica and JD have never met. But for some reason, JD's in the corner just like, like, <laughs> yeah. like making all these faces at her and like gesturing wildly and like like just like palpably judging her from yeah, across the room. Yeah, he's like, I'm so I'm disappointed like, in you. I don't know you, but I'm so disappointed right now. <laughs> yeah, I 
I'm like, why is he like, why is this working for him? Like, I'm confused by this choice, like as a person. So for better characters, it sounds like the conclusion is again, Heathers. I'm so sorry, Nancy, but yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to look at the movie as a whole, you know? Yes. So now I think that this will lead to some meat, at least for me considering I have a bazillion points under this. Oh my Which God. movie has a better or more compelling plot? One thing that I thought screenplay-wise for Heathers is that, like, upon watching it this time, it was really, really funny. Like, there were a lot of really genius lines that were just super clever. Like, the things that I... The three things I wrote that really stuck with me the most were the thing in the beginning where it's... Red Heather and uh, Veronica, and they're talking to all the kids about what they would do if they like got a million dollars and the world was going to end. And the one kid is talking about how they would like take a bomb and put it inside of a lion. Like, I just thought that that was really, really funny. (laughs) Uh, The thing about mineral water... That was just very funny to me. They're, like, insinuating that, like, having mineral water on your person marks you as a gay man. Like, that just was amusing. (laughs) And um, the line, because, again, they're in Ohio. The line, this is Ohio. If you don't have a brewski in your hand, you may as well be wearing a dress. I was like, yep, that is Ohio. (laughs) To me, I think that um, the writing it's, it's sort of paralleled until it really differs in, in these movies, which is that the way in which the new girl to the clique um, affects the group dynamic is mm-hmm. very different. With Heathers, it's like she joins the clique um, and eventually, through all the things that happen, she kind of breaks it up in a way, but she's at the top. And then with the craft, Sarah's entering the clique doesn't break them apart. It actually ends up kind of making them stronger, um, the other three, and they'll, like, gang up against her because she is threatened. She's, like, threatening to them. I always felt kind of off-put by the last portion of the craft because it's just really not where you... It wasn't really where I thought it was going, Um, especially the very end. Like, it's hilarious when you see Nancy, you see Nancy in a mental institution and then they just cut and it's like happy teen credit music. (laughs) It's like, what, what is going on? Like, so I based it off entirely um, the ending because I've always said, like, I, I really like the craft, but I just wish like the girls were all happy in the end and they moved in together or something, you know? And so yeah, I have to go with uh, Heather's because Veronica doesn't end up with JD, but she does extend a hand of like friendship toward um, Martha Dunstock, which I've always really loved. I thought it was so sweet. So I'm yeah. going to, based off that alone, I'm going to go with Heather's. I'm so sorry, oh, the craft. The Heather's is absolutely slaying the game right now. Well, you know, It might be worthwhile as Heathers continues to slay the game here to acknowledge that Heathers is like such a huge influence on this movie. It's like the mother of so many movies. It's the craft, mean girls, jawbreaker, just like gave birth to all of them. Okay, I think that's one thing that's important to point out especially because normally when we do versus episodes, we're picking two things that are extreme contemporaries. Like when we did Cowbells and Material Girls or when we did Brats and the Click, like these have more of a gap in between them. And so it's more like tracing the influence almost than being like this one sucks compared to the other. It's just like taking inspiration from it. So I normally get on my soapbox at least once per episode about something. And there was something in Heathers that I really noticed this time around that I had never noticed before. You think about Heathers and you're like, oh, yeah, this is like a movie about girls. But if you think about it, like men and like the aggression, like male aggression plays just as big of a role in this plot moving forward as female aggression does, if not more. Like, the way that it's centered around Veronica and, like, the Heathers, but, like, so much of the actual fear and, like, the actual trauma that happens to them is, like, a direct byproduct of, like, male aggression. Just, I'd never really noticed that 
there's so much about like all the sexual violence in this movie and how a lot of sexual violence leads to like interpersonal issues between the girls and then them lashing out at each other. And it's kind of like this house of cards that I never noticed before. It's kind of alluded to that JD is like killing people as he moves across the country, like when he's helping her write the note and she's like, Oh, have you done this before? Ha ha. And he's like, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he could literally be doing like a world tour of like murdering people. Just like JD not knowing that he is like as much of like a power hungry douche guy as like Ram and uh, the other football guy (laughs) are. He's just like a different brand of it. You know, like they're all really violent in their own ways, but he thinks that he's He's like the not like other girls boy, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, which we have to also acknowledge that Veronica is like the blueprint for not like other girls, girls in yeah. a lot of ways. There's a lot more about this movie that feels about like the the fallout of like male relational aggression than I've ever noticed before. So I don't know if that's like a thing that either of you had noticed, but... I did notice that uh, male aggression played a bigger role in the story, but you are going into depth in ways that my mind could not have fathomed before. It was just like, for me, it was like, oh yeah, JD, male aggression. I see that. And you're like, because of this and there's this. And I'm like, oh shit. Let me, let me watch Heather's again and find some new stuff. I just, um, this is a bit of a topic switch, but I'm just wondering like, why and what happened with the writing of the craft that made them uh, make the decisions that they did uh, with the ending? Was it that they wanted to also be able to capture like a horror audience? Was it that they, you know, didn't want, like, are they trying to make a statement? That's kind of what my, what my question is. Maybe they're a little bit scared or maybe Hollywood executives were scared of the witchcraft being framed in a positive light because for a good chunk of the movie it's not a bad thing at all it's just something that they do and they bond with it and everything yeah and then it takes a left turn (laughs) and it's horrible and people are dying (laughs) but then it's like i don't know if that was like the original script it might have been the original then it's just maybe they didn't want to encourage it i don't know Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're all just kind of left wanting that ending, though, where they at least are, like, neutral to each other. Like, I I just, I wanted it so bad. We kind of got that with the craft legacy, but it was just not the same or or necessarily good. So, and that Mm -hmm. hurts to say because I do like Zoe Lister-Jones. I just did not like that movie. Because this movie is so driven by the characters and not like a really clear villain or like demon or something. It's like, who are they going to fight? Like, what would the, what would the final battle be? Them, their, their selves. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, certainly like the, the whole thing of um, whatever spells you cast will come back to you threefold. Like that idea is really strong. And like they, in theory, would like get that theirs. That was definitely like, strong enough to explore that further instead of just saying it. And then it's like when they're at uh, Sarah's house, they see it in the mirror, but it doesn't actually happen, it seems, only for yeah. Nancy. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting when because when you first see it, you're like, oh, this is actually happening. And then you quickly realize it's not happening. And I kind of wanted it to be happening. It could have been. No, that's, <laughs> oh my God, that's something to think about. Because like after Chris, that whole thing happens, it could have accelerated the sort of karma, I guess. And then the, yeah. wow, yeah. why didn't they do that? They literally gave us the visual. They literally put the visual in the movie and then we're like, we're taking it away. We're not so doing that. So disrespectful now that I think about it. Like, I know. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen um, A Bronx Tale? There's this quote in there where um, uh, I think it's, I think it's Robert De Niro's character. He's always telling his son, there's nothing sadder than wasted talent. And that's what I think when a movie doesn't do what I want it to do. Like, oh my God, wasted talent. Yeah. Yara, do you have anything else that you had written down? For better plot, yeah, I think I had Heather's too. But all I said literally was Heather's, period. (laughs) 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 So I think it really could be that simple. Yeah, I think, you know, I love the craft, but it's it's everything that Audrey just said. It's like everything with the ending. 
it just didn't sit well with my spirit. And so <laughs> I prefer Heathers. I just think nope. structurally, for me, it's a better movie. I like anything that explores sort of the idiosyncrasies of the world in such a, not whimsical, but slightly offbeat way. So like Heathers and Welcome to the Dollhouse. I love those. Which one aged better? And I encourage all of us to interpret that as openly as we want to. There were moments of Heathers that reminded me a lot of things that I grew up seeing that had come out like as I was growing up. So like, for example, Twilight. I mean, he's climbing in through her bedroom window. Like yeah. there's the, the, the us against the world thing all of that mm-hmm. and like the spooky flavor is very twilight to me also this is a reach but the way that um i i feel like logan lehrman in perks of being a wallflower and jd and heathers are like like logan lehrman is like the good twin <laughs> and jd is like the evil twin like <laughs> like there's just something about the way that like they look and like There were just moments that JD's or Christian Slater's performance reminded me a lot, weirdly, of Logan Lerman and Perks. And I was like, no, that's, I feel like that's not a reach at all. That's very valid. Like, I see it too. (laughs) I feel like Logan has always reminded me of Christian Slater. And that's probably why Mm -hmm. I used to have a crush on him. Because it was like, he's Christian Slater, but for my age group. So I don't have to date someone like two or three times my age. It was, like, more realistic. A lot of the time when we talk about uh, movies on Sleepover, they're things that were specifically made for kids in the early 2000s, which is, like, a very easy trap for people to have, like, put really problematic things in that were, like, made for children and, like, have aged really badly. And, like, I don't really think that Heathers can be analyzed in that same way because, A, it's so much older, and, B, It wasn't, like, made for kids. Like, it was made for everyone. Um, I think that, like, the trench coatiness of JD is very, like, creepy Columbine foreshadowing in a lot of ways. Um, But is that, I mean, it's a coincidence. It's also not, maybe, because, like, teenagers are sponges of all media that they consume, so. Okay, so my answer that I put was that I feel that they both aged super well, especially given the Mm -hmm. times that they were made. But my answer was that I was going to go with the craft, mainly because when it came out, it was very dismissed. And it took a lot of time for people to sort of grow warmer toward it. Whereas Heather's, Mm -hmm. no one saw it. (laughs) But like critically, (laughs) when it came out, it was doing okay. You know, not it wasn't beloved, but it wasn't like, oh, what a waste of time in the same way that the craft Mm -hmm, was. And now we've reached an era where, like, the craft is iconic and people think it's, um, I don't know, it had a lot of value, a lot of things to offer the world that people didn't see back then. So I'm going to go with the craft. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got to give her something. We got to yeah. give the craft something. But I, yeah, I do think, too, like, uh, just from the visual, the visual look of Heather's and the marketing of Heather's, it was, it would be way more digestible for just the average viewer to to go and see the movie. And then they would probably be shocked by what the contents of it were. Because mm-hmm. um, there was, there you know how there's that film, that poster that they made for Heathers that looks like a oh John Oh my God, movie. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's literally not. And I feel like witchcraft really takes it up a notch for... Yeah. Um, a lot of like conservative e or religious parents. Like there's so many kids, even our age, we're not kids, but when we were kids, um, <laughs> who couldn't watch Harry Potter. I was not allowed to watch or read Harry Potter. Um, but it was weird because I was allowed to watch Twitches. My mom didn't know about the craft, um, <laughs> but I was allowed to watch Twitches. And I was like, huh, very interesting. Picking and choosing. Okay, I see. I see how it is. <laughs> The fact that we are even able to, like, make this podcast and, like, put the craft and, and Heathers on, like, the same um, measuring scale, like, says a lot about how it's aged. Yeah. Um, like, we respect it more than anybody, in, than respect it more than ages past have, so. I just wanted to add that uh, the thing that I love most about the craft, too, is, like, you look back 
at a lot of like romantic movies or even dramas in the 90s. And they have these relationships that are very unhealthy and framed very romantically. And I guess I appreciate that the craft, it's like, oh, he's... He's, he's creepy. He's a creep. And then he gets what he deserves in the end instead of it being framed like, oh, all this is okay. Yeah, I guess yes. I really like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was rare. That was definitely rare at the time. Yeah. And even well into the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> very, very still rare. Happens. So are we saying for the sake of having to pick one that the craft is our winner of this? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. we'll say the craft right. has aged. But because people respected Heather's way more or way more soon after it was released than that's, the craft. That's true. That's true. Okay. I like that. Okay. Our last point of discussion is which movie has a more compelling click at its center? Heather's. <laughs> you think, okay. I okay. Please talk that's about what I it. Said. Talk, that's what Audrey said, but I'm glad that we disagree. So you should, you both should go first. So I'm going to read what I said here. I love the goth coven so much, but Bonnie and Rochelle are very much sidelined to make way for an ultimate rivalry between Sarah and Nancy. So it makes the click a little bit more surface level. And besides mm-hmm. Rochelle, of all of them, she gets no real personal arc. So as a whole, it's a little less compelling. Whereas with Heathers, one of the members of the clique accidentally kills the queen bee and then has to consider killing off the new queen bee. And there's jealousy <laughs> from Heather Duke toward Heather Chandler and then taking the latter's place. And there's jealousy from Heather... Um, Wait, what? I'm sorry. There's the betrayal of Heather McNamara and also the fear that she might be killing the people that she has sex with. However briefly it's presented, I have to say it intrigues me a little bit more. Um, Yeah, I mostly made that call based off of um, the importance of each member of the clique to the story. Like, can you get rid of this character and it's still... Like, you can't get rid of the four in um, the craft because, you know, they're north, south, east, west. Like, they need a fourth. That's, like, the point. But at the same time, there are many moments where they could not be Like, you could interchange their character and what they do with someone completely different, right? A different background for them, and it wouldn't... Yeah have as much relevance yeah and but I and I wish I feel like my mind like my (laughs) I've projected more onto each character than is actually there so uh like I want to love them a lot more than I actually have the a reason to with the craft (laughs) so what's what what's your reasoning for the craft okay my reasoning for the craft is this is what Yara said about how the two click members that are not Nancy or Sarah get sidelined for the ultimate showdown. But I kind of feel like the same can be said in Heathers for JD and Veronica. Like the red Heather, the first Heather, um, she's really... Com- Chandler. <laughs> Thank you, Heather yeah, Chandler. Chandler. She's really compelling um, and great, but she's only in the first chunk and then she's gone. And then it's like... There is a lot of plot relevance to, I mean, to a certain extent. She sets off the story. Like, but she sets off the story. Like, there'd be no story had they not killed her. But did I think? (laughs) No, I'm (laughs) just saying. I'm just saying. You're right. There is plot. I'm not saying there isn't plot relevance because there is. And I think that, like, that, if we're talking about compelling in terms of moving the story forward, Heathers can win. But I think, like, being a Heather seems kind of miserable. Like, being a Heather, even when things are going well, seems kind of shitty. Because unless you're Heather Chandler, you're getting shat on to a certain extent. And it's like, whereas in the craft, if all was fine and good and everything was in balance, like, that click functioning would be sweet. Like, being a part of that group would be so cool. Like, the idea, like, if you say, click of teen witches or click of teen popular girls. popular girls like one of those things yeah. is just much more interesting to me like the click is not <laughs> sacred the click is not sacred at all in heathers and it is theoretically very sacred in the craft so i feel like the click is yeah. more compelling in the craft that's true i mean as an idea uh the the idea of the click in the craft is more compelling and i also like the idea of um like the weird like the weird 
people looking mm-hmm. really cool and exclusive. Um, yeah. Even if right. like their peers don't necessarily see them that way or their peers are just scared of them. Like, <laughs> like they're just legitimately scared and creeped out by them. I feel like that... It's funny because that the reason um, that I'm also drawn to the Heathers one is because they don't get along. And there's that strife there. And also, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, we can relate being in the Heathers back to being in the plastics when Gretchen knew that being in the plastics was, you know, even though she was miserable, it was better to be in the plastics hating life than whatever the quote is. And I guess I'm just um, a little more compelled by that, that, uh, that dissonance, you know, like I really don't want to be here, but I'm terrified of not being here. Seems like we might have another, (laughs) might have another Heather's win. And that's okay. Cause again, we've established it's Heather's is the mother of many things, including the craft and basically every movie that we have talked about. uh, Yeah. Or honestly, this entire podcast could be like traced back to the Heathers. Uh, Heathers. I think in this versus episode, we've taken a lot of twists and turns, um, but we are ultimately emerging with Heathers as the winner. That does not mean we don't love the craft for exactly what it is. Right, we love the craft so much. We respect it. We really do. Um, it's just, it just, it happened, and it didn't mean anything. The craft. We still love you. All of this being said. Thank you for staying with us throughout this voyage. Um, And Yara, it's been such a dream to have you. I'm like so happy that you joined us. I was so freaking nervous. But then we started talking and it was like, oh, this is fine. This is fine. And I'm very chill now. Now it's weird because I kind of don't want to stop. And you guys were like (gasps) dropping hints for future videos. And I was thinking, oh, that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) You are always welcome to join us literally whenever you want. Like I'm just going to hit you up, be like, hey, what are you doing next? Can I participate? <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> but where can our uh, listeners find your content? Uh, on YouTube.com. <laughs> um, Yara Zaid. It's Y-H-A-R-A. Almost forgot how to spell my own name. Z-A-Y-D. <laughs> and I will be there. You'll see stuff about my best friend's wedding, Hillary Duff. I'm planning to do a video about this very, I don't want to say iconic because it's not very iconic, but <laughs> iconic in quotes, Lindsay Lohan movie. And so you're going to see that too. It's going to be very fun. Oh my God. That's very up our alley. I also forgot to mention um, that I think the first video I ever actually saw you uh, create or that I encountered was the one about holes. And I fucking love oh, holes. Really? So that's yeah. the video that so, I'm proudest of. Everything else, I, so I would never let anyone watch it. But the holes one is like the only one I actually let my mom watch. I said, here, watch this one and literally nothing else. <laughs> The holes one yeah. was like it. It, it was spoke the to- it was the holes one. I remember. I literally remember it showing up in my recommended, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, absolutely!" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, <laughs> this is for me." Holes is so oh, good. Yeah, yes. that, that movie is amazing. I feel like it's incredible. Uh, it's just in a league of its own as far as kid movies that we watch that are like mind blowing, even as an adult. Yeah. Yes. Maybe we'll do a holes episode at some point. That and would be I amazing. will come back. Yes, yes, yes. you will host the show. We'll be the guest and it'll be your podcast. That sounds amazing. And this time I'm going to pronounce Lewis Sacker right. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay, well, um, I think that's all we have for now. But thank you so much for listening. Um, If you listened to this episode, you were legally obligated to subscribe to Yara's YouTube channel. Um, So go do it. Oh, and I should add too... Um, Yara's also on Patreon, so you can support oh. her there as well. <laughs> yeah. She has the most reasonable tier levels. Like, I have one for a different podcast, and I looked at your tier levels and then mine, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm my levels used top. to be so ridiculous. It was like three and six. And then I looked at it, and I was like, What am I really offering here that it needs to be that high? <laughs> Yara, thank you so much. You're an angel. Thank this you for having me. I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Well, we could clearly talk forever and I'm sure you would all just love that. Um, But (laughs) we'll save that for another episode. So thank you for listening and we will see you next time. 
You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with all our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Yay. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopinkpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. It's true. And if you like Sleepover Cinema, please share an episode with a few friends. Also, since we're asking for things, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, For some reason, they're super powerful and we would always appreciate a nice review. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman, and theme music is by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. We'll chat again soon. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.